Therefore, it's good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. Presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. In 1960, Brenda Lee sang, I'm sorry. In 1982, Chicago let us know it's hard to say I'm sorry. And in 2015, the Beebs just belted out sorry. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing for you, Sammy. But to uh, Mikkel Bridges, I'll just say, yeah, sorry about that. Bridges was the best player on the floor Monday night in the Suns' 114-108 win over the Toronto Raptors at Footprint Center. He scored, he defended, he facilitated, he celebrated. Bridges paced the Suns with 29 points on 12 of 19 shooting, hitting three of four three-pointers. Why am I apologizing to him? Because I didn't think he was capable of doing what he did last night and what he's done for the last few weeks. I believe that with Devin Booker on the floor, Bridges is a capable 15-point-a-night scorer. Early in Book's absence, it looked like Bridges was just that, capable of topping out at about 15 points a night for a team that desperately needed more. That's all changed. In his last 11 games, Bridges is averaging close to 22 points a night while hitting half of his shots in a stellar 42.3% from three-point range. He continues to play top-notch defense. Looks like he can get his own 15-foot elbow jumper at any time, and maybe most importantly, he's developed into another viable ball-handling option, especially late in games, a fact that was on display Saturday night in San Antonio. We've been beating on the Suns need another scoring option drum for quite some time, but maybe, just maybe, they already have one in Bridges. With Book on his way back to the floor soon, we'll see. And in case you've forgotten, in today's age of load management and players missing chunks of schedule with soreness, Bridges punches in every single night. That's Vinny's view. It's brought to you by Revitalized Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalized, proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Good, man. Just we winning. Like, that's the biggest thing. I just tell everybody, like, all these stats and the losses is, is what, you know what I'm saying? I just, I just, I grew up and the biggest thing is always on mine is winning a game. So, just trying to win, man. That's the biggest thing. And, Doing whatever it takes, just being aggressive. That's one of the things, and I'm just trying to keep going. Um, that's whatever it takes, honestly. It's Mikel Bridges after last night's win, sixth in the last mm. seven games for the uh, Suns. He was terrific last night, and he's doing a lot of different things, and we can focus on the, the facilitation and, and the ball handling. When he's on the floor with Chris Paul, CP3 defers a lot now to McElroy. Notice Bridges. that, yeah. As as far as the scoring thing, um, I'm I'm going to uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tap out of that. And I'm gonna wait to see what uh, what really happens over a big chunk of time. Okay. I'm gonna tell you why. Uh, as I mentioned three weeks ago, they played that game against Cleveland shorthanded, and they got down to a last shot situation, and they called Mikael Bridges' number, and he tried to float away in the lane, and he he missed it. Didn't miss it bad. It was a it was a good attempt. And I remember after the game, Monty Williams was almost almost sheepish in that he had asked Mikhail to do that because you know there's there's a there's a not a stigma but there's there's consequences that come with missing those shots and then that then that kind of led us on this this journey when the Suns were struggling mightily that where we all kind of came to the conclusion that you know what Mikhail Bridges asking him to be an 18 point a night guy asking him to to grow offensively to supplement a defensive player of the year candidate I now he's in a good zone. 
And and so I don't know whether this is real growth or whether this is just a, um, a a good zone as basketball players, you know, tend to get in and out of over the course of a season. I, I'm going to wait on this to see a little more time because there was there was too much of a period of time when uh, when I think I and others uh, were convinced that this might be asking too much of this guy. So, uh, again, I, I think I think the real competition, everything about the Phoenix Suns, I, I watch this team now. And I and I get I get why this happens because people have been so emotionally invested in this team, but they go on these streaks where they did not play well at all, and the reaction was this, and then they string together some wins, and everybody is now wanting it to be the way it used to be, and it's it's okay for there to be a lack of definition in this basketball team right now. It doesn't have to be oh they're back or oh they're sunk. It's you know the end of January, yeah, and and I think I think this is going to have to be proven over the course of time and against good teams and against good defenses. Just how viable Mikael Bridges is as a scorer, um, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, pointing out the statistics of the last eleven games again, I didn't think he was capable of a, of a stretch where he was going to. I'm not sure I was much. either. Yeah, yeah, and, and I and I look, I his demeanor and what he did in overtime against San Antonio. I was watching that game. On Saturday night with some friends, and it was and it was like, wow, go go get it, Mikhail. That 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 drive to the basket where he put that reverse spin. I'm like, whoa, yeah. and he got that was an interesting little move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he took that game over. So he did. Yeah. yeah, he did. He took that game over. And so so I'm I'm cognizant to this, and I hope it is this. I hope this is actual. The the I hope everything has kind of been the up and down nature of his season offensively. Maybe just. Growing pains is hopefully what it's been. Monty uh, Williams, the head coach of the Suns, commented on Bridges stepping up in the clutch. You're watching Mikhail in in those moments come through, and I think the guys are um, feeding him a lot of confidence. But he has his own confidence because he's putting the work in, and he's not um, worried about the consequences of missing a shot. And um, Chris was really good about putting him in his spots, getting him going to his left hand, and he was coming off and doing his thing. And then when he didn't make the shot, you know, we had guys there to offensive rebound. Yeah, uh, last night in the fourth quarter, uh, with about three minutes and change, Toronto took the lead uh, by one. Bridges came down, hit a jumper. Then there was an offensive foul by Fred Van Vliet. Uh, The next possession, Bridges hit another jumper. And you don't see a lot of demonstration on the sideline from Monty Williams. And I noticed this because he was standing right in front of me when he mm-hmm. did it. He, like, pumped his fist when Bridges hit that second shot. He he was into it. Uh, Chris Paul commented on, on Bridges and uh, what he's seen from him recently, especially uh, with, with uh, Book and CP3 out at the same time. I think the stretch where there was not me and Book, you know what I mean? Like, I had been out, Book had been playing, Book had been out, and I had been playing, but when we both were out, there's a lot of responsibility on him, you know? And so uh, one time during the game tonight, I just, was on the bench, and I said, it's crazy having to try to make every play, ain't it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he, he, he plays every night, he guards the best defender, I mean, the best offensive player, every night and you need him to do that so you kind of big time player yeah I won't make any proclamations here but you know piggybacking off of what Chris Paul just said mm-hmm. last year especially in the playoffs it came up at times in the New Orleans series certainly in the Dallas series there was so much reliance on Chris Paul down the stretch of games 
And that became clear. The Suns needed to develop other options or find other options. Devin Booker has become one of those options now. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we know what he's capable of. To have Bridges able to do that, yeah. it, um, again, it, it can only be a good thing. I agree. And I think here's here's the fundamental difference. And I think the team has kind of been been poking fun at Mikhail all along about shooting the ball a lot. To really do what Mikhail Bridges is either doing now or has been asked to do, there's a big psychological adjustment for a player who has been a role player on very unselfish teams to suddenly take that mentality that, okay, you know what, the basketball's in my hand and I'm not going to pass to anybody. I'm going to drive the length of the court and I'm going to go left, I'm going to pull up, I'm going to kiss a a shot off the backboard and we're going to call it a possession. There's a selfishness that every great scorer has to have in the NBA because it it takes that. To, to be a great scorer, to have a basketball in your hands and say, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not passing. There's no better option than me. I'm smoking this fool. It, it, <laughs> it, it, seriously, you know this. There's there's a there's a certain selfishness that that, that certain players have struggled that struggle with. Yeah. Especially if you've been a consummate team guy, pretty much your entire NBA career. And so, it, and I'm seeing more of that from Mikhail. I'm seeing him get the ball and go to his spot and then shoot a little fadeaway more often than I've ever seen. Yeah, and it, it, the results are usually that's a guy positive. looking for a shot. Absolutely, yeah. big game weekend's most exclusive event, Sports Illustrated. The party is heading to Arizona Saturday, February 11th, featuring headlining performances by Machine Gun Kelly and the Chainsmokers. Limited tickets are available. You can win a pair now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, new developments on the Arizona Cardinals coaching front. We'll get into that and more straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on this Tuesday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. Cardinals head coaching search. Update. 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 You know what? They always say be present right where you're at. And I like I like hashtag all the way to the left next to you guys, and I really appreciate it. No, it's been a a busy week, a great week. We've had a chance to visit with a lot of great owners, a, a lot of outstanding organizations. They're obviously looking for a reboot. I think with the way the coaching hiring process has changed this year we're seeing it play out a little longer for these clubs and i think there's more pressure on uh everyone who's covering it and and i think it's a good thing because they're allowing teams to get to the right candidates uh, i think Coach, real quick can i answer i up? think in the next week we're going to know a lot more Coach won't in the next week but the doors are not closed yet no 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 i think there's yeah there's a, a handful of things that that still are taking place for these coaches and myself yeah the handful of things that could be taking place for Sean Payton might mm. be all related to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Sean Payton was on the Fox pregame. That was from Sunday. Peter Schrager interjecting there as well. Uh, it appears on many fronts the market or the interest around the league in Sean Payton has been cool, to say the least, maybe cooled off completely, Yeah. Uh, except for Arizona. There was a seven-hour interview late last week. Um, and the Cardinals continue to add names to this coaching search. Uh, yesterday, adding Mike Kafka, 
Lou Anarumo, Brian Callahan to the mix. Mm. Uh, so they're at like nine candidates now, including Peyton. Yeah. This is not normally the time you're well, adding candidates to no, the list it's not. unless you're trying to accomplish something now, else. Now, the, the national experts like Adam Schefter, some local people like myself saw that as a bad sign, saw that the Cardinals were drifting away from their dalliance with Sean Payton because why else would you be expanding your net after you've had him in your building in front of you? Paul Calvisi, as you mentioned earlier, uh, mentioned that he thinks that a lot of this is just sort of leverage, bargaining, showing the New Orleans Saints, okay, if you're going to ask for X and Y and Z in return for Sean Payton, we might just very well look elsewhere. I know that Wolf and Luke were sort of vibing on that same thing. That's not how it struck me. I really hope they're right. I really hope that that's what's happening here. Now, I do know that I'm kind of conflicted on this whole thing because, number one, Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton are very, very good friends. Mickey Loomis feels indebted to Sean Payton for the Super Bowl. They won together. If this is where Sean Payton really wanted to be, I really would think there would be some level spirit of cooperation between the two franchises to get this thing done. I also know the Saints are coming off their worst season in probably two decades. Uh, Their offense was abysmal. Their new offensive coordinator, play caller, tanked. They're coming off a dreadful season. So there's a lot of pressure on Mickey Loomis now to kind of put this thing back together. So who knows where their heads happen to be at. I really hope they're still involved for Sean Payton. And I said this earlier, I'll say it again. If what they're doing with the Saints now is as what Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley intimated, that the Cardinals are, are have control of this situation, but they are now just playing the game to get the price tag down, then you better not blow this opportunity. That at the end of the day, you better seal this deal. Because if that's what this is now, then then this thing better not blow up on you. Yeah, and uh, in case you missed the audio, this was Paul Calvisi of the Cardinals uh, broadcast team on with Gatos and Chad on KTAR uh, News 92.3 FM yesterday. Uh, not reporting, more predicting. Sean Payton by this time next week. We'll see. You think that's going to happen? Uh, I think they're negotiated right now. They keep adding names to the interview list. I think they're telling Payton and they're telling the Saints, bring your price down. No one else is coming after you. We'll go hire someone else if we have to. I think the Cardinals are truly interested, but right now they're negotiating on the price, both to Payton and to the Saints. Yeah, the things we don't know, there's been a report well, about it, is, is what Sean Payton's design desire to exit the broadcast world is at this point. Yeah. If he's okay with going back, that could cool this whole thing off. Without a doubt. And and again, I'm not I'm not doubting what they say. I think I think Paul Calvisi has a lot of uh, access and he's got great insight. He's got great instincts. I, I fully respect what he does and I think that uh, I, I'm I'm enthused by that particular mm-hmm. report. I just hope that that would indicate that the Cardinals are playing a level of chess, that they've got Sean Payton fully committed to them and that this thing is eventually going to happen. That excites me. It can't but not excite me because that would show a level of commitment from Sean Payton that I think this situation demands. And it would also show, because keep in mind here, if Sean Payton takes this job, he does so with the knowledge that Kyler Murray might not be ready right away. Uh-huh. And so that means this dude must really want a job. And and for a guy who has got, a, who is really considered an impact coach in the NFL for good reason, he could wait. He could wait this out for other opportunities next year. For him to want this tells me that he sees a lot of promise in Kyler Murray. And that's that's exactly why you hire him. Exactly why. Because he's got a vision in his head how to get that kid right. Who else has got that? 
Have you heard anybody else explain one? Mm, no. No. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Uh, other than people who think they know on Twitter. Uh, it, it's it's interesting, too. You mentioned that, that the fact that Kyler Murray's not going to be ready to go at the beginning of the year. You don't get a lot of ramp up in the NFL now in a new coaching position. Sean Payton obviously would get a little bit more, but it, you know that level of pressure that would still exist is taken off. Mm-hmm. You can get other areas right and then... You know, reacclimate your quarterback, and I'm I'm fascinated by. I mean, we talked to Jay Morrison uh, in the in the last hour. That you know, the, the success the Bengals have had the last two years followed two years of just garbage. The first two years of Zach Taylor, they won six games, mm-hmm. and he got a vote of confidence. That never happens he, anymore. And at times, he looked as clueless as Cliff Kingsbury looked here. Yes. Joe Burrow saved him. Yeah. Joe Burrow saved Zach Taylor. But he's, you know, he's proven his worth now. When you got the right people in place, it's amazing how much better a coach you become when you've got the right people in place, right? Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you get a head coach, or I'm sorry, when you get a quarterback as smart and as in control as Joe Burrow, it's like, yeah. It, it, you'd... And three all pro wide receivers helps, too. I mean, they have so much talent on that team, it's almost hard to fail. I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know without, about that. Without the quarterback, I don't think they're they're making any, I, uh, any of the similar noise. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I see T. Higgins to say uh, Jamar hmm. Chase is definitely what you're saying. I, I think T. Higgins is good. I don't. Yeah. And Tyler Boyd, he appreciates you calling him an okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you, could, you could text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. Coming up next, the big stories of the day, all repackaged Woo-hoo. by Sarah Cazell in the Rush Hour reboots. Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, my friends. Happy Tuesday. It is great to have you all with us here on Bickley Emirata Mornings for the Rush Hour Reboot. We get you caught up on all of the top stories of the day every single day at this time. They're obviously looking for a reboot. Yes, we are, Sean Payton. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. R.I.P. Another member of the cast, Laverne and Shirley, has yes. left us. Yes. Very, and very funny show. Indeed. And Jarrett Carlin. He's just one of many men who are intimidated by me, so join the freaking club. <laughs> yeah, he loved when I said that. All right, we've got some fresh faces to talk about, guys, as the Cardinals continue their search for their next head coach. I'm kidding. He actually didn't say a word about it. Uh, the Cardinals are rebooting their head coach search. Three new candidates surfaced yesterday. Uh, Mike Kafka, the New York Giants offensive coordinator. Lou Anarumo, the Bengals DC since 2019. And Brian Callahan, the Bengals OC, also since 2019. Uh, just a couple segments ago, we spoke with Jay Morrison, who covers the Bengals for The Athletic, and he shared his thoughts on the two Bengals candidates. He said he thinks the only reason that Lou Anarumo, their defensive coordinator, is not getting more looks in this hiring cycle is the fact that he is a 56-year-old defensive coordinator, not 
the hot, young Sean McVay type that has been so trendy in hiring cycles lately. I mean, it's kind of shocking that there hasn't been a lot of love. You watch what he's done, and not just this year, but last year in the playoffs. I mean, that that run to the Super Bowl last year, everybody talks about Burrow. That was the defense that took them there. Nine turnovers, just this incredible job of pivoting. They, they go from all they can't stop Derrick Henry to completely shutting him down. Then you turn around and you go to Arrowhead and play Patrick Mahomes and, and just really fluster him, uh, hold him to three points in the second half. It's just it's remarkable what he's been able to do. Okay, as for Brian Callahan, the Bengals' offensive coordinator, he is a little bit younger. He's 38 years old. Morrison says he thinks he deserves a shot as well. He's worked with Peyton Manning. He's worked with Matthew Stafford, now Joe Burrow. He has done a terrific job. There's this, this sense that, that he's not a play caller here in Cincinnati. Zach Taylor calls the plays, but it's, it's a shared duty. They, they, they like to say they share a brain, and they do. They see things the same way. Um, he's really been instrumental in what this team has been able to do. But I, I guarantee when they walk out of those interviews or when they log off of those interviews, I don't know if they're, if they're coming to Arizona, if they're doing them virtually, but the, the Cardinals are going to be impressed, both of these guys. And that's what got Zach Taylor the job. Okay. Did you guys hear anything intriguing from Jay Morrison that, that made either of those candidates more attractive to you? In a word, no. Um, I'm sure they're impressive. I'm sure given yeah. the opportunity to impress in an interview, they both would knock it out of the park. Yeah. But I can't I can't be swayed by my original thinking on this, and that's how important an experienced head coach, uh, preferably with some offensive acumen, has uh, you know, he, th- th- that candidate has to apply to the 2023 Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, and and that's that. I'm definitely at, on that point as well. Look, I can buy this idea that Lou Anarumo is this untapped, uh, overlooked, very competent defensive coordinator who's deserving. Of his own shot, I have a hard time believing that both their coordinators are diamonds in the rough who have just been sitting there. I, I just read a story in the middle of this past football season about how the Bengals were floundering offensively for about a year and a half, and they finally came to the realization: we need to throw the ball down the field. We need to actually stretch defense. Where have we seen that before? And and so it, and it it triggered this dramatic change. And they've got Joe Burrow is about as smart as anybody. I'm just not buying. This I'm not, I I I can't I'm not yeah. buying that the Bengals have two great candidates. Take your pick. You can't go wrong with either. Yeah. Not buying it. Uh, not at least buying in Cincinnati it. though, they came to the realization that they needed to throw the ball down the field. Yeah, right. I mean, and the, 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 problems, yeah. the yes. problems were similar here. Yeah, uh, like you guys just pointed out, no head coach experience between the two of them. They only became coordinators in 2019, so still relatively new yes. to that uh, aspect of coaching. But one of our our listeners, guys, Wine Guy MPR says, I played lacrosse with Brian Callahan in high school a long time ago, but he's one of the smartest, funniest, and most genuine people you can meet. Great football mind, better person. He would be great for the Cardinals organization. Okay, done. So at least you'd get a good done. guy. Yeah, done. Done. Wine Guy says, hire him. That's right. Listen to Wine Guy. And wine girl. Obviously, he's got a That's much me. different uh, experience and perspective than we do. Yes. But of course. All right. We can't talk about the Cardinals coaching search without checking in on Sean Payton. Yesterday, we reacted to what he said Sunday on the Fox broadcast, which was uh, 30 seconds of word salad. And then we'll know a lot more in the next week uh, where he's going, 
or not going and where other people are going to end up. Here is Paul Gal VC. Listeners know him well. Used to be on the air here. Now he covers the Cardinals full-time with the Arizona Cardinals. He went on our sister station, KTAR News 92.3 FM, and he made a very interesting prediction. Sean Payton by this time next week. We'll see. You think that's going to happen? Uh, I think they're negotiated right now. They keep adding names to the interview list. I think they're telling Payton and they're telling the Saints, bring your price down. No one else is coming after you. We'll go hire someone else if we have to. I think the Cardinals are truly interested, but right now they're negotiating on the price, both to Payton and to the Saints. Okay, so if these new candidates are really just fodder for negotiations between the Cardinals, Sean Payton, and the Saints, Mm -hmm. they're, they're really that close to making it work. Dan Bickley, I know in the past you've said absolutely not. The Cardinals cannot give up that number three pick. If it really is that close, would you be willing to budge? Uh, okay, I, again, I don't know if I don't know if I've said that. I I would I would do what the Cardinals are doing, and I would not offer it. I thought about this again last night. If if it came down to an either or, you can have Sean Payton or you can have the number three pick in the draft. I'm probably taking Sean Payton. If it comes down to that. But again, I've had a football source tell me it's not coming down to that. So until that guy is proven wrong, uh, I'm going to stick with this, that, that that's not on the table for the Cardinals. That's a different way to approach it. Would you rather have number three or the head coach that could be, I mean, probably is the best bet in this coaching cycle to unlock your quarterback? Yeah. I think that's an easy answer. Now, it, not saying it would be easy to part with the number three pick in that, but yeah, you can't. Bick's right. You can't offer it. Let Mickey Loomis ask for it, and you don't even have to say yes, because there's been a lot of reports, too, Sarah, that say the Saints realize full well they're not getting the number yes, three overall Yes, and that's pick. exactly what I've been told. Mm-hmm. Ex- I mean, to a, that's exactly what I've been told. So until that gets proven wrong, um, I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, so I don't offer that up, but anything else. And again, like I said earlier, it, it's I'm, I'm real encouraged by this. If this scenario is accurate, it means the Cardinals are in control of this, which means Sean Payton wants to be here, which means make it happen. Uh-huh. If if this thing gets away from him now, Ooh. then yeah, right. Ooh. That would be a, a dramatic fail. Indeed it would. All right, let's quickly get to the Phoenix Suns. They beat the Raptors 116. Yes, 116-104. Did I write the score down correctly? 114-106. Backwards. Yes. Uh, 29 points from Mikkel Bridges. Uh, six assists, three rebounds, three steals, a block. Monty Williams said after the game that Bridges is really starting to become that clutch guy that they have needed with Devin Booker out. So when Devin Booker returns, we think relatively soon, uh, John Gambadoro has had a couple different reports and predictions lately, but we think it's going to be soon. Whenever he does come back for the final stretch of the season, are you guys now more comfortable with Mikkel Bridges being that second scoring option on the team? Uh, more comfortable Trustworthy. than if he hadn't gone through this stretch, certainly. I mean, the, the offense is still going to go through Devin Booker, mm-hmm. uh, and he's going to be the, the alpha scorer. But yeah, knowing that Mikel Bridges is grown in his responsibilities and his versatility offensively and the fact that he's not afraid to take that that big shot, yeah, I'm definitely more encouraged. And I, I'm I'm also encouraged by what I'm seeing from Chris Paul. I'm, oh, I'm, yes. I'm seeing a guy that looks it, – it, it looks to me like he has refined his three-point shot. It looks to me like there's much more arc on his three-point shot now, and he's having more success with it. And, and I, I was watching last night, and I couldn't get the feeling that, that – 
maybe he's kind of planned this out in his head where we haven't heard the last from him yet mm-hmm. in terms of carrying, being able to carry a team in big moments. Yeah, and I know uh, what Gambo put out there, and I'll, I'll offer that as you know something. Uh, Flex from Jersey, who's got some pretty good information on this too, is offering up the Brooklyn game a week from yesterday, or a week from today. Uh, that would be the third game on the five-game road trip. So they still have Atlanta, Boston, Detroit, and then uh, he's he's pinpointing the Brooklyn game as, as books return. Okay. All right. There we go. All rebooted. Thank you, Sarah. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, when there's a hashtag that says NFL rigged, it can't be a good look for the league. There's a lot of people talking about the quality of the officiating on big stages. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. I do think, though, we have a massive officiating issue. I think refs suck. And not all refs. There are some refs that suck. And they shouldn't be in playoff games. Why are they in playoff games? Especially when there's only two games and there's going to be 50 million people watching. And we've literally been talking about this since 2018, Mm -hmm. about how full-time refs optically would just look much better to everybody. Because you got part-time refs and they're not full-time refs, there's a chance they could be maybe swayed by somebody outside the NFL. Since they're not completely committed to the NFL, there's a chance that somebody outside can get a hold of them. Now, I think they get paid well, but what is well? What is the line? Especially with how much money is potentially being made off of these games and off of these deals and off of these advertising deals and the sports gambling and everything what? like that. What is good money in comparison to? So you make them full-time, boom, we can eliminate that distraction of potentially getting swayed elsewhere. That's Pat McAfee from the Pat McAfee Show yesterday. Uh, laying it out there. NFL refs suck. They need to be full-time, but at least he's offering some mm. sort of solution to the yeah. problem. Make them full-time. So so what his, what his overarching point is, is that as part-time employees, NFL officials are susceptible to corruption. That they are susceptible to being bought off by private interests who pay them to throw football games. That's what he's saying. Um, and, and so your initial inclination is to go, no way, no. And then you stop and you just see the the amount of corruption everywhere in this country, and you say, why not? Why, why why would NFL officials be any different in an age when ethics and standards and accountability just seem to be out the window? Well, I, I think there's another layer to what he's saying. It maybe isn't as, as as juicy or salacious as what you brought up, but can you be the best at what you do if it's not your full-time gig? You know, Monday through Thursday, or Friday, really, these guys have have other occupations. And then on the weekend, they're supposed to be a top official. Are you getting the the requisite amount of training during the course of the season that that, that could improve your skills? I I don't know. The the guys that do this, the crew chiefs, the guys that do this, you can tell by their performance on the weekend. They take a lot of pride in being officials. Uh You know what I mean? And so I I don't think making them full-time... um, uh, making them full time would make them look differently at their job, if you know what I mean. I, you, if you see a guy like Ed, Ho- Ed Hockley, very successful lawyer, you think he enjoyed being a crew chief and getting all that airtime? Of course he did. All these guys do, right? Oh, sure. But, yeah, I mean, you're giving up a lucrative career as a lawyer to be a full time official. I, I, I mean, 
that's, well, and that's, 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 that's one of the, the things thing. that's on right. the table. Yeah, so, right. So, so now you're going to take people who are otherwise very successful in, in real life and they're going to ask them to make a choice. How much do you love this? Do you want to do this full time? I'm not, I, that's, I think that would have a certain effect as well. I just think this, as a market that's been through the, the Boris Diaw, Amari Stoudemire, Steve Nash, Robert Ori fiasco, and many others, The fact that what you witnessed on Sunday, it really had the feel, if you were an invested Bengals fan, I can fully understand why you would come away from that game going, this thing is rigged. And and now, do I believe that? No, I don't. But when you piece it all together, you're asking a fan base to justify a crew chief who gives a team a mulligan based on a clock malfunction he instigated, based on a referee on the right side of the field who came running in to call the play dead, even though it didn't even affect anything to do with the play. And so you give them a mulligan on it, and then on the very next play, you call defensive pass interference. So if you're a fan of the Bengals and you believe that you're getting rooked, by the officials, that is exactly how you would dream it to happen. But how do you get past? And look, I know every fan. We could we could walk into any radio station or any sports bar in any American major American city right now and say, "Hey, what's your worst story about your team getting screwed by the officials?" Everybody's got one mm-hmm. in every city. But how do you reconcile if you're a Bengals fan and you feel that way this year when? You know, 12 months ago, you were the team that went to the Super Bowl. If they're rigging it in 2023, why right. were they not rigging things against you in 2022? Yeah, that's, I, I again, think, I, I totally think, agree. I don't think anything's why do, rigged. Why do Suns fans think games are rigged against them? Exactly. Because it, it's a convenient way to break down a loss but, or make you feel better about it. But I, I, I think from an objective standpoint, a, when you see the amount, of, the preponderance of calls that went against the Bengals in that game from just obvious stuff that was called on one side and not the other, it'd be very hard to disassociate yourself from the, that, that is how that is how absurd the stacking of one-sided calls were late in that game I to a it. lot of people. I get it, and as long as you know these games are officiated by human beings, that will you'll have the those differences. The problem is, is when on Championship Sunday, Mm -hmm. uh, by Sunday night, one of the trending hashtags on Twitter is NFL rigged. Another problem is, is when you get you know, a very prominent media voice in the NFL world on that same show, Pat McAfee, Adam Schefter, talking about how bad it is, you might have an issue. There's an issue with the officiating. And when you speak to people around the league, they believe it's as bad as it has been in a long time, maybe ever. Everybody's got their own issues and complaints with the league. They've called the league. And so what do you do? Honestly, I don't know that I'm smart enough to tell you. Like That would be a better Dean Blandino question. But I can tell you I've heard a lot about training the officials, the pool of officials, the way they're assigned. Like, I mean, there, there are all sorts of issues here that they need to go over. I don't have this data in front of me, but um, I think you would be shocked if you found out the average age of an NFL official. And I'm just not talking about crew chiefs. I'm talking about all over the field. Um, you know, are they physically able to keep up with the ridiculous speed the sport is happening in front of them? I think you can say the same thing about NBA no officials. Doubt. But no doubt. What? You lack in, in physicality or uh, physical ability. Experience matters. Your eye, what your your eyes are trained to see, matters. So you could get more physically fit or younger officials that aren't going to have the same viewpoints. It it is a problem. And, and on this show, generally speaking, I complain about officiating a heck of a lot more than you do. And I think it's very interesting right now too, Bick. 
that these, you know, what we're talking about in the NFL is lining mm-hmm. up with what we're talking about in the NBA and the reaction to the blown call in, in the Lakers Celtics game over the weekend and how LeBron blew that out of proportion. Was it a bad missed call? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Did the officials admit it was a bad missed call? Yes. Uh, but what the NBA officials did in that instance to put out a statement on Twitter about how this is gut wrenching and they'll lose sleep over this. Make no mistake about it. That Twitter account's putting nothing out. If it's any other player in the NBA who got hacked and didn't get a whistle at the end of a game that they eventually lost, that was a LeBron James thing. Okay. Because he cried about it. He did. But it's just funny that these two things are lining up. And I know, you know, independently, people, you know, complain about NFL officiating just as much as they complain about NBA officiating. But it seems like in both sports right now, that's one of the top storylines. And that's not good for either league. No, no, it isn't. And and again, I think that in the in the case of, of this game, it's it, it was it was the one real egregious call giving a team a mulligan in a huge situation like that that made people kind of go, what in the world? Yeah. And then there was there was the flag that was thrown in the late hit on Patrick Mahomes, which was clearly a penalty. But Joe Burrow got blown up the previous possession. Nobody called that. So, and again, I'm not saying I believe this, but if I were a fan base of the Bengals, that game that game went well over the line of reasonable conspiracy theories. In my opinion, a regular, a, a garden variety regular season basketball game against Luca and the Mavs, huh, I, I, I'm not entertained in that. But a, a, a Super Bowl on the line in a, in a team ends up having to internalize that. Somebody, I think it was MJ, just sent us a picture. Did Zach Taylor's mouth, it's rigged on the sidelines? Oh, Did you see know. that? Yeah. So again, I just, this is a, I agree with Adam Schefter that perceptually, that was a bad, both of those games were bad looks, in my opinion. Bad officiating in both games. Was it was it heinous? Was it felonious? I don't think so. That would be quite something if it were. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Pat McAfee in that audio we played too mentioned 2018. I remember the missed pass interference call against the Rams sent them to the Super Bowl. That, I mean that that's that's the pinnacle of it right but there. But that's a single missed call. When you start, when I, I'm talking about the cumulative effect of that game. That since down the stretch, one after another, after another, after another. I mean, I have to go back and look at them individually to see how questionable they well, were. Okay, the punt returned by Kansas City that had set up the game when they missed a clear block, block in, in the, the back, back that had right in front of them. The late hit on Joe Burrow, they blew that. The holding call. The, the holding call, the they Mahomes blew that. Scramble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there was a lot. And again, it's just, so Cincinnati, I'm curious, just as a marketplace, they must just be beside themselves. Yeah. Four-time Super Bowl champion and NFL legend Rob Gronkowski is bringing Gronk Beach to Talking Stick Resort February 11th. Gronk will bring his infamous end zone dance. Hip-hop star 21 Savage, little John, many more will be there as well. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win tickets and complete event details. Coming up next, the Tuesday edition of the Bickley Blast. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.